Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is scheduled for one fall and is for the title of greatest podcast ever made. Introducing first, from San Diego, California, Austin Cook. And from Odessa, Texas, Caleb McLemore. And these two together make up the Internet World Order. One last time. Hey, everyone. It's Austin Cook, and welcome to this new episode of the Internet World Order podcast. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Caleb McLemore. And today, well, guys, today we are taking sort of a step down in terms of trauma, (laughs) I guess you should say, from, like, anything horror movie related. So... Yeah, we're going to we're going to take things to a different plane, let's say. To a movie that hopefully a lot of you guys have seen and you're not like me and you put it off forever because you are lazy. But today, we are talking about the seminal classic Beetlejuice. Exactly. And especially with the last like I know by the time this comes out it's going to be November, but I we both kind of agreed like Beetlejuice is kind of the perfect little cherry on top of like when you cover like spooky movies, especially because it's like we've gone from Evil Dead 2 to Halloween to Arkham Asylum. So it's like we need a breather. What a weird progression, too. (laughs) I know, right? Which is weird. It's like we almost end where we started on a comedy. I know. Horrifying. (laughs) um, It's just so funny because like you'd be like, oh, you'd probably start with like Beetlejuice. Evil Dead 2, Halloween, and then Arkham. But we're just like, what if we just didn't? (laughs) Yeah. What if we actually just, we let Beetlejuice be the let me up, which is hilarious because one, it's accurate, but two, it's just kind of funny when you remember what's in this movie. But, um, (laughs) uh, but yeah, compared to our last couple episodes, we did a neat little let me up to kind of finish off, uh, you know, Halloween, like I said, and by the time you hear this, it'll be past Halloween. But still, um, I just want to cover it because one, I look for any excuse I can to talk about Michael Keaton because he's one of my favorite actors. And two, I, it's just this is one of those movies that like kind of it obviously super appreciated. I mean, the accolades for this thing are a mile long, but just it kind of just kind of goes up and down in popularity or like relevance. Mm-hmm. And so any excuse I can to like talk about it, I'm gonna take. I appreciate that because I also love Michael Keaton in pretty much all the movies that he's been in, even the ones that like people kind of like don't fully like, you know, hold it as dearly, you know, like the RoboCop mm-hmm. remake, like people forget that he was in that, but I don't forget. Right. I'm, <laughs> I'm simply built different. And <laughs> this movie is really one of the ones that I think that just continued to skyrocket him to popularity. I don't know if this came out. No, I think actually this was maybe by the time. I think that this movie came out before he was announced as Batman. Would I be correct on that? Considering this came out in 88, so obviously you got a film before that, and Batman came out in 89, Mm -hmm. there's a good chance it probably did. Yeah, it, it was probably late 89, I think, where like Batman came out. But I, I can't remember because I wasn't alive then. 
<laughs> right, but no, but I'm saying like because of the years, and you know, we both know like the obviously how far out before a movie comes out that you're actually filming it and putting it together. I'd go with yeah, that he already had this done, mm-hmm. and if it, because like I said, I don't know, like because they don't treat announcements of that kind of stuff the way they do nowadays, where they make it like a huge, huge event. So I'm not sure, but yeah, it's just kind of crazy to think in '88. Michael Keaton does Beetlejuice. Then literally the very next year, he is Batman. Crazy, but also the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is very interesting to watch after having seen a lot of his other stuff, because I, please don't be mad at me. You guys, when you listen <laughs> to this, I didn't watch Beetlejuice until September, 2021. I know. No I'm judgment, a, all good. I know. <laughs> I'm a bad boy. But here's the deal. <laughs> I, <laughs> I just never really just got to watching it. Like I, I guess like my family didn't have it on Blu-ray. I don't think it was ever in stock at my local blockbuster when I was growing up. So like that kind of sucked. And it was like one of the Tim Burton movies that like I just had never gotten to. And I feel bad saying that because this is this movie's kind of awesome and (laughs) it shows because this movie made a lot of money, especially at the time too. like $15 million budget, 73.8 million box office. Like I'd be pretty happy. That's insane. Yeah. And (laughs) that's just ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. There's, there's a ton of movies nowadays. I would kill for that kind of profit margin, but, um, but just also just, this has a long legacy because like it's gotten to the point now. Cause I mean the whole, like say a name three times and make somebody appear has been parodied from like horror movies to comedies, like with South park. And I'm not obvious. I'm not gonna say it's the originator. Cause, uh, but just, it, it became iconic of the, you say Beetlejuice three times. Cause it's almost like he's an evil or well, evil or and also very perverted, Rumpled Silkskin. <laughs> like right. you got to guess his name, but then say it three times. Yeah, and then he shows up and sexually harasses you. Boom, yeah. Beetlejuice. <laughs> how many, how many like, times have we said that now? Are we? Oh, we're past three. He oh, would be here. <laughs> I see. I lost count. I'm I'm bad at this. I'm bad at summoning but... Bio Exorcist. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> A freelancing Bio Exorcist. Fair. <laughs> do they have like a church where they can hire like bio exorcists like it because i know it's not like the catholic church where it's like oh oh we're gonna send you out and you're gonna exercise i think that's what they say i don't know more or less I, <laughs> like i don't know if that's a thing here because this afterlife is very um different for it is different. Yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> what an excellent I, way to put something that I struggled to say for well, so here's the long. Thing. I think it's a situation where movies like this, where you kind of deal with the afterlife and you deal with ghosts and ghouls and undead and all that and possession. Some movies take that as a chance to get on their soapbox and talk about their views on the afterlife and religion and their beliefs or lack thereof. Tim Burr was like, how about I just make something unique? And we just roll with that logic. 
and we don't make comments on anything. And Which is like, the you know right what? call because Tim yeah, Burton, smart. this was his second movie. <laughs> wow. I see. It was so funny when we were looking at this, Caleb, and we we're like, I looked at it and the first thing I saw was uh, after the success of Pee Wee's Big Adventure, which made <laughs> Tim Burton a bankable director. And I was like, wait, hold on. <laughs> That's what did it? That was what sold it. And I was like, oh my gosh, he did do Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I keep forgetting that. Like, I feel so like silly for not realizing that because Pee Wee's Big Adventure is extremely Tim Burton. in all of the ways and all this yeah i agree it's it's a consistent style that he's maintained since he first started and i I think i think it's gotten to the point now where people are kind of like they look back on a lot of his work and they're like that's good stuff but like you know whether or not it's for you or not and that's why i like that's why i'm not as critical like i understand people like they kind of like with directors, they kind of maybe have the expectation like they do with actors. Uh, mm-hmm. They want to see a range. Yeah. But there's nothing wrong with knowing what you're good at. Because mm-hmm. like you're saying, you're going to know if it's for you or not. Like if you see a, a preview for a movie and you see directed or written by or whatever by Tim Burton, you know exactly what you're in for. Yeah. And you will know immediately if that's for you or not. And that's not a bad thing. He's like the, and I say this with love, so if any of you out there are listening to this, and you hear me say this, and you are like, why would you say something like that? You're so mean. Like, (laughs) Tim Burton, in in some ways, I think to some people, and, you know, this isn't a critique on him, I really love Tim Burton's movies. So, he's, because he's awesome. He knows what he's doing. Tim Burton is, for many people, like he's like the Quentin Tarantino for Disney, like Disney adults. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I mean, I could see that because they, they have a style. They have they certain things that they're going to put in a lot that you'll like a couple of you'll roll your eyes at, mm-hmm. but you know, like <laughs> it's like, it's at the point now where it's like, if you're upset by that, like, why are you here? Like, what yeah. did you expect? You know what <laughs> and, you're getting into. <laughs> yeah. And so, and this definitely is the same because, but also I want to take a moment to kind of like give props to somebody else who I'm sure in the proper circles, he gets all the respect and he, re- he deserves. But I know like when people talk about like big time composers for movies, everyone talks about Hans Zimmer and uh, John Williams. Understandably, they're iconic. Their mm-hmm. resume speaks for themselves. Danny Elfman does not get as much love as I think the man deserves. No. And I think that's because he's very much like, I wouldn't say he's a product of the eighties and nineties. Cause that would not even remotely come close to giving him the amount of credit that he deserves. But I definitely think people just for some reason, like didn't appreciate him as much after that. I, I don't know what it is because he's so good <laughs> like, i mean i look at what he did it's like he made the theme for this what we're covering today beetlejuice like he wrote and sang nightmare before christmas mm-hmm. he made the theme song to the simpsons yeah. he made like the theme song to the 89 batman like he like 
Maybe it's because he got so tied with Tim Burton. Uh, who knows? But like, I think that's what it is. I I definitely think that that's the case, which is not, yeah. you know, like a critique on him, but it's very much just like that just kind of happens sometimes. And like some yeah. people sort of just forget or they'll like they'll know, but they'll know like the songs and the music and they'll be like, oh, I know that that's from somewhere. But they'll usually yeah. tie it back to someone other than the actual composer, unless it's <laughs> Hans Zimmer, which is super unfair because there's so right. many like talented composers out there, like uh, Tyler Bate. Do you remember Tyler Bate? Uh, I I am familiar with the name. I just I'm blanking out right now. He did a uh, well. I think it's Tyler Bates actually, but <laughs> he did like Guardians of the Galaxy movies and right. a bunch of other movies that are like pretty solid scores. But people sort of overlook the role of composer sometimes because they're just like that's good music and unless you're like a hardcore music nerd it it might kind of just pass by you're like oh yeah like i enjoyed that score that was pretty good forgot who did it well i just wanted to give a little love to the guy because when i started here because like i hadn't seen beetlejuice in years Mm -hmm. and as soon as i heard the opening little like jingles it started as it's like running through the opening credits like i was like hit with a wave of like nostalgia and just like especially because I did watch some of the animated cartoon. Yes, there was an animated cartoon of this. It was wild. And, uh, I just forget that that was a thing. I, <laughs> yeah, but it was, if you think this movie's wild, like the cartoons wilder, just because they had to figure out how to make that work in a family friendly cartoon. Mm-hmm. So the things they found, the things they would have to do to work around. That's hilarious. But, mm-hmm. um, hearing that though, it's like, it's kind of hit me with that, like, yeah, this man has made really good theme songs that you know exactly what you're hearing the moment it, ha- like, from the first few notes. Yeah. And yeah. So I just wanted, like, to, quick love for that. But, um, he's worked with movie, a ton of amazing directors, too, like Brian De Palma, Guillermo del mm-hmm. Toro, uh, Joe Johnston, Peter Jackson, Angry, oh, yeah. geez. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, he did, uh, I think he did, um, Silver Linings Playbook. I for, yeah, he did that one too. I keep forgetting that. That's right. That's so. That's a great soundtrack. That's a great score. Uh, but yeah, I mean, no, I, I'm glad you brought oh, yeah. that up because I, I do like Danny Elfman quite a bit. Oh yeah, and just yeah, I just want to point that because like, when, especially when you when you helped create one of the most iconic themes like with Batman, and then probably I could say the most popular theme of all time for television at least in The Simpsons. And are, are you forgetting about Spider-Man? As absolutely. No, I'm not I'm not forgetting. I'm just saying but like it's almost like just sheer like you immediately know what it is. Mm-hmm. And uh and just also like how insanely successful the Simpsons have been the last 30 plus years. True. But um anywho, I did like okay. Austin and I were talking about this beforehand. Rewatch this movie now like as an adult. I think the last time I watched it, I was probably in high school. So um this movie very much hits me like it's a fairy tale because it has a whimsical is not the word I would use. Like it's like that in terms of like just how it kind of like goes from one thing to the next. And it kind of like, it's not, it's guiding you along, but it's not spoon feeding you going, do you get it? Do you, are you, are, are you understanding this? Like it just keeps moving. And if you get it cool, if you don't, well look at the visuals. Yeah, and they they do a good job of kind of letting the characters breathe a little bit more too because like as visually cool as this movie is and Tim Burton does 
a very good job, especially on his second movie. You're like, wow, um, that's impressive. One of the, I think the hooks to this movie, and one of the things I didn't realize, Beetlejuice is not in this movie that much. No. He is the title character, and he's probably in it, what, 30% of the time? He maybe has, like, combined five to ten minutes of total screen time. And that is shocking to me. But it's kind of like the whole Godzilla thing where it's like, if you make when he shows up impactful, I will remember that more than just constantly seeing him on screen just being there. And oh my goodness, Michael Keaton does such a good job with this. (laughs) Owns every scene he's in. And like, I mean, there's a reason why he's kind of, Still to this day, kind of a go-to like Halloween costume, and uh, I, I get it. <laughs> yeah, especially in people who are like if people who are good at like makeup and doing like hair and makeup, it's almost like a rite of passage that you got to do a Beetlejuice makeup tutorial at some point. And, really? and I don't, and I say that lovingly because trust me, I got friends that do that stuff, and y'all are y'all are flipping like wizards with makeup. It's insane. But, um, but yeah, like I said, he's not in it much, but like also the way they allude to him, because mm-hmm. even when he's not there, it's almost like he is there because it's right. almost like this presence of like, you don't, especially when I'm trying, we'll break down the plot in a moment. It's just, but we're just kind of talking overview, but like the way they constantly like the, uh, Juno, the, uh, caseworker, which is like, you don't want him involved. The moment he gets involved, things will go bad. Yeah. And boy, was she right. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. I. <laughs> oh, gosh. This was. um. This was a wild ride. And mm-hmm. I'm a little disappointed in myself that I didn't get to watching it sooner. But th- the funny thing is, is that like I, I basically went in blind because I think I saw maybe like. 30 seconds of some of the last 10 minutes like the whole marriage scene and everything like that like I mean spoiler alert for a 30 plus year old movie like <laughs> at right, this point right. come on and <laughs> you know you, if you've wanted to see this you have and if you haven't yet hopefully we can convince you but like we've said before you can pause and come back we'll still be here right and if you haven't seen Beetlejuice oh I sound like the person who's trying to pronounce it the first time. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's not spelled like the title. It's like nope. Betel Geuse. And yeah. uh, I, I, ooh. <laughs> I, I kind of like, I feel like they were constantly doing that. They'd be like, it's almost like fate itself was trying to keep them from saying the name correctly. Right. Yeah, they're actively <laughs> intervening. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, we have like, that that's actually a really interesting touch. That that's that's pretty cool now that you bring that up. You know, I want to say this though. I am astounded that this movie did as well as it did as a completely original story, not based on an IP. Mhm. And well, I mean, Winona Ryder was not a star yet, but she was on her way. She made that happen. Oh yeah. <laughs> um and, No, but I I think people there is always going to be an audience for original stuff that just has some kind of appeal to it. Whether the appeal is comedy, 
whether the appeal is made because it's weird or cool or kind of like gets you hyped up because there's lots of action. Mm-hmm. Like there's always going to be an audience for that. And Beetlejuice, well, of those adjectives I gave, he checked several of those boxes. And um, Guaranteed also probably like really good word of mouth. Yeah, and that helps a ton. I mean, it absolutely does because this is before like Hollywood became so dependent on the first weekend has to be good or we are just, we, we are screwed. Mm-hmm. This was right before that started becoming a thing. So, like you said, the word of mouth is good. It's also, this is also one of those movies where like, you can take younger, like I was not little kids, but like old, like, but like kids and teens and stuff where like, you can take them to watch something that's spooky as some like, so that is a little scary. I mean, <laughs> legit. I got scared a few points of this when I was watching this as a kid, but like, but you can still watch it. It's not going to traumatize them and give them nightmares for four weeks, except for one scene. Maybe. Yeah, maybe, but (laughs) you've got to be pretty young at this point. Like this movie, like even when I was watching it, like obviously I'm 25 now, like (laughs) it's not going to scare me, but that's not the point. I'm there because I want to watch this movie because it's awesome. And mm-hmm. even like some of the scenes I was like, there's a couple that I could have seen making me go like, oh, whoa, but none where I felt like I would have been like scared, scared, you know, but obviously like being scared is completely subjective. So but I think it was a level because I can say for myself, like when I'd be scared, it was like, I, but I wanted to see more. Like yes. I wasn't so scared. I wasn't like, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. I was like, mm-hmm. I was like freaked out, but I wanted to see where it went. You can do the little fun jumps. That. Yeah. Yeah. That that so, makes more sense because I was like, I don't know if this movie actively frightened like would have frightened me on a level like as I was maybe if I was like really, really young, like a couple scenes if I came in at the wrong time. But overall, I was like, yeah, if I was a young kid, I probably could handle this pretty well and then be like, I'm good. I'm good for a while. You know? Exactly. I agree. Like that's why I- <laughs> Before we cry, I compared it to, I compared it to like, a, are you afraid of the dark or like goosebumps? Because mm-hmm. yeah. like, to me, this is like right up there with like that stupid puppet from Goosebumps. Oh yeah, um, Slappy. Ugh. Yeah, no, I remember him too. I was I was alive in the nineties, <laughs> oh, and I remember snappy. watching Goosebumps, and I was not pleased. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, to me, Beetlejuice is on that same level of like. It's going to like, it might kind of get you to tense up, but you'll keep watching it because you're genuinely entertained. It is funny. I'll go out on a limb here. Goosebumps actually scared me when I was a kid. <laughs> and that's fair. No, there's some of those episodes are like, I, I even as like, even as I got older, I was like, no, <laughs> I, I watched it recently. Cause like I make a habit of like doing like an annual thing where I watch it. And like, even if I don't pay attention, the entire time like i'm getting the experience of like enjoying it and even the haunted mask and like werewolf of fever swamp and uh, what was it like werewolf skin where they're like transforming out of werewolves and like peeling their skin off i was like bruh how did i watch this as a kid <laughs> well, i also think because i think we sometimes especially when you're a kid like there's just stuff that doesn't really phase you because things like mortality mean mm-hmm. nothing to you so yeah that's uh, fair. You're like, but death isn't real. <laughs> exactly. But uh, so with all that, like, I, I think that's why Beetlejuice works. And also, 
as scummy and as much as Beetlejuice is very much the villain, mm-hmm. uh, he's funny. Yeah. And just the way, I mean, I got to think there was times he just told uh, Michael to just be like, here's your bullet points. Just rattle off for like 20 seconds. And because yeah. the way he was just like rapid firing, it's like, it's natural Obviously, charisma, could too. Have been written down. I just, but there's also that part of me, that too, yeah, to like, you, you make it seem like your own. And whether, whether it was written or not. And yeah, so like you said, and he takes over the scenes. But I did like, because this movie, I got I to ask you, since you went in blind on this. Oh, God. Because <laughs> of how this movie starts versus the moment it just turns into full-on Tim Burton. I got to know. How were you during that? So I was surprised maybe 10 minutes in because <laughs> I remember watching them drive off the bridge and I was like, like I saw them crash and everything. And I was immediately in my head. I was like, there's no way they survived that. <laughs> like, absolutely not. But they've got to find a way. Because right. that would be stupid to kill off the main characters, right, guys? Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> once it started descending, in, like once Beetlejuice started popping up, and then we get you know like the the waiting room scene and everything, like all that, like I handled it pretty. They did a good job of not making it so aggressive that it was off-putting. They yeah. built up to these characters well. They introduced the characters, like obviously Beetlejuice is like the main villain of the movie. He's not the main antagonist. Like, because I would say that the antagonists are like the, the people that move into the house. So you yes. have the Maitlands who die and then someone who's trying to like sell his house. And then the Dietzes come in with uh, Winona Ryder and Jeffrey Jones and Catherine O'Hara. And yep. wow, what an eighties movie. <laughs> Right? That's why I was thinking looking back on him like what a time capsule. Like seriously, like the only thing missing is like Tim Curry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I never even thought about it that way. I was like, but the only person who like you can't have Tim Curry and Michael Keaton in the same movie together because those men (laughs) just will absorb your charisma. Like they'll just suck it out of you. And just take everything away from your life force and become more it's charismatic. True. It's true. Like, you especially could have them share a scene together. Like, no one else in that scene would exist except those two. I'd have a heart attack. I couldn't take it. <laughs> Imagine, like, Beetlejuice and Pennywise the Clown just screaming at each other and basically just going shoo wop da woo wop bop 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 for like an hour. Because I'll pay money like for that. I would too. Because, well, I also be scared because I feel like they'd get into a one-up contest and not the good kind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's <So>. fallible, <laughs> even so, the yeah. legends. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, to your point, I think it's just cool how like, oh, they also throw so much at you because like there's the book for the recently deceased, which I was like. I love how on the nose that is, but it also fits because that's exactly like when you're saying like, I need something to help me out. Literally what you need right there. Yeah. In print. 
that's but, funny. Um, that's funny exposition too. It's not just like it's not treating you like you're stupid, which yes. I think most people. I think that only happens when people don't fully trust the material that they're in, or it's a really dense, complicated story to understand. And, and that just happens. It's hard to tell a really good story in a screenplay. I know because I'm currently in grad school for it. And yes, yeah. it's difficult. <laughs> so whenever oh, yeah. that happens, I don't take it personally, but I'm just like, gosh, like I wish this movie could just let me like see it and then try to deduce it. Cause that'll actually make me want to watch it more and more. And this exactly. movie, it, it's silly. And there's certain parts of it where you're just like, oh my God, that's ridiculous. But that's by design. It, it's not going to oh. over explain anything to you. It's just like, hey, here's all you need to know. Send it. Absolutely. And because like, I love how the afterworld or the afterlife is basically the DMV. And it sucks just as much as the DMV. <laughs> and- <laughs> oh gosh. Like <laughs> there's that gag with Beetlejuice later in the movie where he's like, number like eight billion or something and i was like Oof. yeah yeah it's like what number are we currently on three good, good <laughs> thing those people don't have to like you know eat yeah it's like that's why i love the point too I'm like well you shouldn't be here yet and they're like why not it's like you got time you're dead and yeah. <laughs> everyone's just trying to figure it out and i uh but i do like a little thing they um exactly uh but they did point out a little detail that i thought was interesting because it does come into play layers. Uh, the Maitlands, uh, Barbara and Adam, they've always wanted a child. But before they died, they, they were struggling to have a child. Mm-hmm. So that comes important later. And um, Partially because they were dead. Yeah, well, well that, <laughs> then, yes. But before the death, that's why I said before they died. I know, sir. I know. I'm just being a smart ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hard to have a child when you're dead. <laughs> Ghost baby. But, um, <laughs> oh gosh, that's going to be a horror movie soon enough. Unless there already what? is one. I don't know. <laughs> that sounds like something from Evil Dead. But, um, or <laughs> literally the movie Seed of Chucky. There you go, right there. <laughs> well, but, um, that Afghan. I don't, we're not going to get into this. Stop <laughs> it. Just keep going, Caleb. I'm but, done. Um, <laughs> but the best part is they finally, because there's all these rules. And of course, they're just throwing them at you, and you're not supposed to like really keep up with them. You're supposed to just know like they have no idea what they're doing is the point. And they run into their social worker, well, a case worker, I guess, but she's basically that's what she is. And she's a chain smoker who has the big like gap in her throat because mm-hmm. you, you, they pretty much show like cigarettes killed her. And um, this is a kids' movie too, so like, oh, I know. Keep this in mind with everything <laughs> we say throughout this episode. This is a kids' movie. And it's PG, but um, somehow, some way, the eighties. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Unbelievable. Oh, it's true. Go on, but like, <laughs> but like, they go through and they find the guy who's like flattened, and he makes, a, <laughs> and he just like makes a flat joke. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, have some humor, but um, <laughs> well, I mean, what else are you gonna do? Be miserable? <laughs> exactly. No, the jokes they 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 make suicide jokes. Mm-hmm. They make like. Like one of the guys is like a just a desk worker. You see him hanging from a noose. I'm just like, this really pulled no punches. And it, it's very much I, I think because we were talking about how hard stand up comedy was earlier and just like comedy in general. It's so hard to toe the line between like what's too far and unacceptable and what's lighthearted enough to where it can be funny without making light of it. 
And I actually think this movie does a really good job of balancing that because there's a sense of humor around all of it. Yeah, it's not it's there's not dread. There's not it's, it, it would be different if like. It was the kind of underworld like that's been portrayed in other ones, like especially if you like Greek mythology, like with Hades, where like everyone's all miserable and like decrepit and like, you know, wailing and pain like that would not have fit here. But everyone kind of having a sense of humor and it being over the top and silly and almost kind of like a running gag. It works. Yeah, it's like a good balance between like. The underworld in like the Hercules movie and then like. Whatever Prince described as the afterworld. It's like a happy right. medium where it's like you still got some stuff you got to take care of. You're you're not going to be in the purple rain up there where doves cry. Oh, I miss Prince. I- <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 there's that medium where it's like you go up there. You don't have to pay taxes, but yeah, but there's, things can you go. You still wrong. have paperwork, and there's still bureaucracy. I'm like, of course there would be. And I was like, I thought. When I died, that this would stop. <laughs> no. Red tape follows you everywhere. Some apparently. people never change. <laughs> so they find the caseworker and she just explains to them. Well, one, the thing I thought was cool was one, because when they were first in the house before they go to this, like I said, the afterworld, the DMV, I guess. But like they try to just walk outside the house and they end up basically in like a desert with a sandworm. And they're like, well, we can't do that. We'll die. And they ended up in, uh, in David Lynch's Dune. That's why I was thinking, too. Was like, so I thought it was funny, especially with, since the movie just came out. Like, oh, yeah, here's a movie with a sandworm. Very obvious Dune reference. But um, <laughs> I have to say, this. I love the meme potential of the new sandworm design that, yeah. that came from the new Dune. I'm not going to elaborate any further, but if you look at it, you're just going to go, Oh, dude, you didn't have to say anything. <laughs> and that's that's kind of the spirit of this whole movie is just like the fun of like, you didn't have to, but I'm yeah. kind of glad you did. <laughs> so, yeah. So when they find a case where one thing I like that they point out is even though they're like, it takes like probably three minutes of screen time for them to get from the front lady to the to Juno. Mm-hmm. It's been months. <laughs> So the new family has moved in and that's, a, I mean, it was, I was like, oh, that, that checks. We don't know how time works once you're dead. So them kind of messing with it was pretty cool, I think. And, uh, so it's been months and the lady's like, well, if you want your house back, you got to scare them out. So basically you got to become that haunted house. Yeah. And <laughs> try. God bless them. They, they try. <laughs> And honestly, those were probably the parts of the movie where I could be like, yeah, no, that would have frightened me as a kid. Not like traumatize me, but like would have made me go, like, or, yeah, ah. well, later on when they do. But what they initially try of trying to do the most. Ghost 101 of putting on the bed sheets. Trying to scare them. And that almost works. That's the best. Part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love the fact too, like the new family that moves in. Like I said, you have the you have the dad who is the most stressed out man on the planet trying to be not stressed because mm-hmm. you find out, I guess he had a, I don't know, a nervous breakdown or something in real estate out in New York. Mm-hmm. So he wants to live in the country to get away from it all. His wife, who is 
sculptor mm-hmm. question mark and uh she the best way to describe her is she is the uh she is whenever you think of like elite artist that's just 100% full of themselves her picture pops up but not in a way where they're unlikable yeah i mean like but they're they are just very dis- unaware <laughs> That, that's the best, that's a good way to put it. Like she's unaware that like, it's like, do you, do you know how people look at you and see you when you act like this? Nope. But, um, <laughs> not even a little. I know. And then of course you have their, uh, you have their daughter, Lydia, who is in her goth phase, full on goth phase. And, uh, very much the, I live in darkness all the time. I was like, oh, the edge. <laughs> the and, um, <laughs> I cut myself. <laughs> on the edge but uh and they're just a very they are just the quintessential dysfunctional family Mm -hmm. the daughter doesn't feel like the parents respect her or listen to her they kind of don't because they're kind of just fully enveloped in their own stuff and you see the parents argue with each other and clash and then you have i'm not entirely sure who ortho is like they're a family friend that's Mm -hmm. like the interior designer yeah, I, I think he's a family friend. He's like a fellow artist. And it's, yeah, no, he's like a fellow artist along with um, the mom, with uh, Delia. Yeah. Okay, well, it makes sense because it's just hilarious. Like, obviously, we're not going to every single gag. Probably the reason why you need to see this is there's a lot of, like, setup and payoff jokes that are just tiny and, like, throwaway. Like, mm-hmm. when they spend so much time, like, bashing the terribleness of how the house is decorated. And then the real estate lady later is like, Oh yeah, I did this all by myself. You're just like I'd Dang. cry. I'd cry, <laughs> dude. <laughs> if someone just roasted my decorating like that. But then again, I'm also I'm not good at it. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, the other thing too is it's a really drive home the point of they're like like uh they're pinkies out, high society New Yorkers that why are we in the sticks of Connecticut? Yeah. And this is like, foul. <laughs> the I know, foul right? <laughs> outer rim of Connecticut. I know, and like I said, it's uh, um, I like how even here on Wikipedia, it's like, and tasteless pastel tone modern art. I'm just like, where's the lie? And, um, also, I have to point this out. This is really funny because I just remember that this was filmed in Vermont. And yeah, I started laughing because at the beginning of this movie you know he's painting the miniatures because um alec baldwin's character he paints like miniature towns and stuff like that that's like his thing Mm -hmm. and we have the camera like sweeping over like the small miniature town leading up to the house and the whole time i was like oh my gosh that's a miniature and i I didn't you know i was waiting for it to like slowly be revealed that like that was just the outside they just didn't have the budget for it and they're passing over it and i was like wow, that looks super fake. Like, I can tell that's not real. And then they realized he was painting it, and I was like, well, I'm an idiot. <laughs> like, I'm the bad too. guy here. <laughs> Especially, yeah, that, like, that's just how it is. But, um... So, with all this, like I said, they, uh... Our, uh, I guess, like, our heroes, or at least our protagonists, they tried to, like, do the just... Like I said, Ghost 101, Charlie Brown, bad sheets with the eyes in it. It doesn't work on anybody because you find out they kind of have to be, I guess, sensitive to ghosts or at least open to the idea that ghosts are real. Mm-hmm. 
for them to even see you. And the only one that is, is Lydia. Of course. <laughs> of course it is, everyone. And the goth girl, of course, can see the ghosts. <laughs> Which, honestly, it works too well. <laughs> I know, right? It's perfect. <laughs> I, I love that, like, well, number one, this really showed me, like, why people, like, obviously, Winona Ryder's very talented. but this movie in itself just showed like why like she absolutely deserved to kind of get skyrocketed up like she did because mm-hmm. she kills it. She's awesome. And especially for like a young actress too. like Caleb, we've talked about this before young actresses and kid actresses. They're not plentiful because they are literal children and yeah. acting and- requires a very deep emotional maturity. That is hard to find, and I don't expect of children because, well, they're not grown up yet. Yeah, (laughs) they're they're still maturing. And part of acting is you have to like you you grab onto things from the past to kind of help you in the moment. And it's like a child hasn't been on the earth that long. What past do they have to grab onto? Birth. (laughs) Exactly right. I mean, I mean, we joke, but essentially, but um. And and I've I've pointed out before of like because and there are other actors obviously all the adults and Michael Keaton and everybody like they help a writer like I'll just say like uh uh Lydia they they help her like not have to carry all the acting weight herself which mm-hmm. is good that's smart that's good writing but she still holds a good chunk of the weight on her own and yeah. she hold and she very much holds her own it works uh especially because. I think what works best, like, because since she's being a goth and being like the, the world is just dark, man. Like, At like so 13 her years be- old. Right, exactly. And like, <laughs> calm yourself. But, um, <laughs> I remember and, uh, my days. <laughs> I remember same. when I was like you, young and full of life. <laughs> but, um, I just, well, I think like her being that character works. Especially because it's like, because then she could kind of have that more like emotionless state. And that's what a goth would, or like, that's what she would do in this case. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like you wrote a really good character that could work with the limitations of having a child actor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, so I think and, she was literally like 16 or 17 at the time. Now, now that oh, I yeah. think about it, because she's. She's still young. She's like 49, I think. Yeah. 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 And she just, she's aged like four hours since like the 90s. <laughs> no, it, it's true. Hey, some people are like that, man. Good but, for them. Um, <laughs> uh, and they've been, like we were alluding to, there have been references to Beetlejuice because I think, I can't remember how he get like how they get on his radar. Oh, that's right. He opens up the newspaper, as he says, the work pages, which is the obituaries. And I was like, sir. <laughs> the screenwriters wrote that and they were like, yes. <laughs> Dude, that's the best part. We have a character like that. You could throw in jokes like this is for me. And, um, a very Shane uh, Black-esque, like I wrote that. Yes. <laughs> but, um. Yeah, so when he catches on that it's a newly deceased couple, and he's like, oh, well, they're going to be desperate, and they want to no longer be dead. I have an end, baby. 
And his stupid commercial as he's with the managers trying to like convince them to say his name. Favorite, favorite part of the movie. It's my <laughs> personal favorite. He, like outside of his first conversation with them, his infomercial where he's like, I'm a bio exorcist. Yeah. And like, he's just dancing around and making a fool of himself and doing like the little leg twitch on the ground. I was yep. like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I get this. And my favorite part of all of it was how yeah. like, he's like, and I'm a bio exorcist. And like, then they just move on. And I was like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> I don't even yeah, question right. it. I'm like, I, I think it's sure. Because, I think it's because like, you, you, we know what it would say with bio. We all know what exorcist is. So like, I think they're like, people would naturally put in their heads what they think that means. Mm. And they're most likely right. And um, like we were saying, the universe was kind of telling them, do not say this man's name. Because like I said, when they saw the little flyer, it was spelt wrong. And even Adam was constantly like saying it incorrectly. And Juno was like, apparently used to work with Juno. And she's like, do not associate with this man at all. (laughs) What do they do, Caleb? Well, they get desperate because they're not scaring very well. No, they suck. So, uh, yeah. Well, well, yeah. Garbage. I know. I'm like, have y'all never seen a scary movie or anything in your life? Like, come on. They didn't didn't um, even build up to anything. They're just like, how about we just go full throttle right out the gate? And you got to make people even have the slightest bit of doubt or the slightest belief that maybe there could. What am I talking about? What? I'm trying to sound like, oh, yes, if you want to be a real good haunting ghost, you've got to slowly work your way up to the oh, line. You, like, you start with phase thing. one where you knock over a book or a wallet, say. You do that for about two days. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's kind of like when you write stuff that's scary. Like, you can't just, like, suddenly do, like, your scariest thing right out the gate. you got to build up to it. You need suspense. Yeah. If otherwise, you just full throttle beat people over the head with intense stuff through the entire duration, it's going to go numb eventually. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> uh, they eventually say the name three times because they found out that's how, that's how it works. Why? I don't know. But, that's part of what I like about this movie is it doesn't tell you why the rules exist, just that they exist and they stick to them. So, you just kind of run with it. And, they go down into his, like, they have to, like, unearth him uh-huh. which i was like i kind of feel like this is like just him being for dramatic flair <laughs> and, uh, and as soon as he pops out if you had any uh doubt that maybe people were like over exaggerating maybe he is a good guy or maybe he's just like morally gray he makes it very clear within like a minute he's a bad person oh like Almost one of his first lines, I was like, yeah, this dude's bad. Like, th- this dude's immediately in line to get me dude. And, yeah. <laughs> like, he just very clearly is just the worst. I-, I can't even, like, if I were to repeat his jokes, it would just, it wouldn't be as funny. Because yeah, the way Michael Keaton delivers them is a master class in campy over-the-top acting that makes it excellent. Perfect. Yeah, and just, and also the voice he does. Like, I don't. I don't know how to quite because it's, yeah, it's gravelly and low, but like, I don't know how to do it. That makes it sound like his. It's almost like he found a a unique way to do it. It sounds like he's like confused, but also like 
it's like this upbeat, weirdly ignorant, but also aware former smoker who just has been screaming for too much. It's like he's been talking through his throat and not through his diaphragm. You know what I mean? Right. No, I know. I get what you're saying. Cause I, I gotta think is that's one of those, like, I would love to know the process of like how they landed on that voice. Cause I know with stuff like that, that's very much a, he would be running that by like the writers and Burton. Yeah. So I'd love to know like what that process looked like, but I just love like as he's talking to them. And of course he's, you know, like I said, like Austin's alluding to very much offending, uh, like both of them. Cause he's trying like literally looks at Adam with, Hey, you think I have a chance with your wife? Are y'all going to get divorced? Like how serious is this? And, uh, <laughs> and I was and, like, that's where I probably would have drawn the line. <laughs> oh, I'm surprised. I don't just didn't punch him right then and there. I would have. Well, yeah. Um, but what was he going to do? He was just going to be like, Wee! and like Peter true. Pan his way up into the air or something ridiculous. Like, cause he's well, still I, super powerful. Oh yeah. Or he would have punched him. Like, what are you going to do? Kill me. I'm already dead. And um, was, was there any point where they like punched him in the face or did something to his face? And then it like sucked in like a latex mask. And then he's like, Oh, and pulled it out. Or am I thinking of a different movie? Different movie. Cause he did the thing where like his head started spinning randomly to kind of, that's what just, that was. was spinning like a top. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> there's a, a more like, you're like, well, what are your qualifications? It's what it's probably my favorite part. He completely drops the voice and it's just normal Michael Keaton talking. He goes, Well, you know, I've gone for four years at Juilliard and and just like starts. <laughs> I was like, what? He probably, well, I like to think that like he just forgot his line and then was just like, What would Michael Keaton say? Yeah, what would I say if I was told this? But he's like, it's like Well, I went to four years at Juilliard and I've seen The Exorcist like 167 times and it gets and he goes right back into the voice. And it gets funnier every time. So funny, dude. I, I, I really hope. Well, not hope. I wish. A part of me wishes. This is how they announced that he was Batman. <laughs> I can hear you laughing in the background. I heard you faintly chuckling in the distance. <laughs> then he's like, oh, yeah, I think I'm in line for to play Batman too, but eh. like yeah. <laughs> so that would have been amazing. But, but yeah. Oh goodness. He, he makes them so like obviously they're so offended and just like because he's very like he's trying to like look up her skirt as they're like trying to have a huddle. And he's like trying to look up her skirt. Like it's one of those situations where when they get away from him, because they realize if you say it three times again, it got it separated them. Mm -hmm. And they're just like, okay, I need to take a shower. That guy is slimy. And, and uh, she, she even, the uh, wife even makes the, uh, the uh, comment, which comes into play later. This movie's really good about setting things down and foreshadowing or just having payoffs later for it. It's like, that guy's a perv. And there's a teenage girl in this house. We got to keep them separated from each other. <sighs> I'm so glad that they rewrote the original script. Like, oh, no. <laughs> I just the idea of the horrible things that they had happening where it's like some of these characters would have been murdered or like sexually assaulted like ugh, like I'm so glad that they made the tone of this significantly lighter and that we got this product because I don't know if the other one would have held up very well no no absolutely not um but uh 
So even though they got away from him, they're like, we can't, we're not going to use this guy. It's stupid. Apparently, just unearthing him was enough to where, like, he's now free that whenever he feels like it, he can just run amok. And, but not before. We don't get an idea of, like, what kind of power he has before we get the seance, <laughs> which is amazing. Uh, well, not to say, like, uh, the dinner they have, because... Uh, that's my... Actually, the, I think that's my second favorite, like... Yeah. Yeah. That's a great the deets, scene. Yeah, because the Deets are having this big dinner. The uh, Delia's, like, trying to, like, I'm bringing in the who's who, and we're going to try and impress everybody, and that way, even living out here in the sticks, we can still be somebody. And, like, like we said earlier, she's completely unaware of how dumb she sounds. and. They just have this like crazy moment with the dinner. Where they all just start singing and because they kind of get possessed. And oh, gosh. So you guys see it for yourself. There's no way for me to describe it perfectly, but it's just known as like the banana boat song. Yeah. And, and it's an excellent way of just like making it like you have all of the elements combining together without one being too much more than the other. And yeah. it's just a funny scene. I, I remember laughing because I was like, no way this is happening right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I love that the actors, like, the, as they're all singing along, like, they did a good job. Like, they're singing, they're mouthing along, but they have that look of horror of, like, what is happening? Why am I doing this? And Imagine being haunted uh, and they just make you do the banana boat dance. <laughs> which is why they have the reaction that they did. Where they're just like, instead of being scared, they're like, how can we sell this? Be so offended. Like, really? You're not going to try and murder me? Like, <laughs> you're going to make me dance in my house? <laughs> Sir, how dare you? But, like, come uh, on. Oh, it's funny because, like, um, they also discover how, like, bad Beetlejuice can be. Because mm. then he turns into a snake and almost kills them. Yeah, it, it's like a very brief scene too. But he's like this giant snake demon, which number one, excellent job on the effects. Yes, Oof. honestly, they all the makeup and, budget, yeah. awesome. Yeah, <laughs> all the makeup and like practical effects, and I, I mean, wow, I, it did get an Academy Award for best makeup, deserved, and it also got some Saturn yes. awards too, which Saturn awards are. Are awesome and i think like especially like in the horror genre like if you get a saturn award you did pretty well and he just goes wild and they're like absolutely not go back yeah go to jail bunk like basically go to, go to horny jail bunk <laughs> which i mean i guess in a way they did because they're trying to like, do, like pick him up when he's tiny and he just puts like spikes out because you kind of find out he's a reality warper he can kind of just do whatever he wants right which Leads me to believe that he's not that invested in this. He's lazy. <laughs> or he's underestimating everyone. And he's like, I'm just having fun. I'm playing around. Because I was like, if you can literally do anything, like, why are you letting these people stop you? Like, you're getting beaten by, like, two new ghosts and Winona Ryder as a child. Yeah. Like, Which sir. is why I think this is, <laughs> this is where I think it gets the whole, like, fairy tale aspect of it. Because... It's a thing of like, you have this really powerful entity, but regular people are able to outsmart it. And, but then, then you get the moment that kind of just really takes you off guard where he gets distracted by a strip club. I'm not kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and, 
I, I thought it was funny. No, it's hilarious. <laughs> I just, every time I see it, I just start laughing. I'm just like, I can't believe they got away with this. And, and it was, even the, it was the 80s, at, bro. They used to sell R-rated toys to kids. But like, even Barbara looks at Adam and went, why did you build that? He goes, I didn't build that. And That's just there uh, now, permanently. <laughs> well, because apparently you find out from Juno, like, she used that to distract him so she could basically, like, lecture them. And, like, say, like, guys, they're going to turn y'all into a parlor trick. We can't have that. Because then they're going to start, because apparently one of the other rules is people can't know that much about the afterlife. Uh-huh. And so they're like, okay, so now you got to scare those people out. Oh, and they found out that Ortho now has their, like, recently deceased book. So now he's learning all the rules. Yeah, and, um, and he and he still messes up. Exactly. But she's like, you need to get the book back. You need to scare him out of there. And you need to get rid of Beetlejuice by any means necessary. So and what do they do? What do they do, Caleb? Well, first they make horrific faces. That it didn't trauma. It wasn't traumatizing for me as a kid, but it definitely was like that. Like I did, I did have that. Like oh, it was, <laughs> like, it was pretty close. I was like ooh. <laughs> I know, I, yeah, I was like okay. Like, because it's, it comes out of nowhere. I mean, it's once bord- again, yeah, it's borderline Twilight practical. Zone scary. Yeah, but once again, amazing practical effects. They even pulled that off. Seriously. And um, then they kind of give up on the faces immediately because they realize they really just want to help Lydia because they kind of see like how her parents don't really care about her because they're so like absorbed into their own thing. Yeah. And so they kind of want to help her because. I mean, they're kind of, she's kind of slowly becoming the, the kid they wish they had. Mm-hmm. And which is one of my favorite arcs of this movie. I think that's very sweet. Absolutely. And but like we said, uh, Beetlejuice is out and he's just screwing around, having a good time. And Ortho with the same like that. Now we can get to the seance. Almost skipped way ahead. Yeah, I was but, like, um, sir. <laughs> There's sorry. an important piece of information that happens here. <laughs> yeah. No, but you're yeah. And um and there's also like arcs of like the dad's trying to figure out like how to essentially buy the town and just turn into like this money generating thing, mm-hmm. which apparently he just drops and just never gets talked about again. But um uh Ortho does a uh a seance to summon Adam and Barbara because they're like, well, if they're not going to show up and do parlor tricks for us, then we'll just bring them to us and make them do stuff. And historically, uh, never anything went wrong with that. Of course, right? I mean, it's kind of like the, uh, you know, when someone gets like the book of the dead and they're like, I'm going to summon a demon and it will totally be under my control and not kill me immediately, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Caleb, have you... <laughs> Did I tell you about the scene from Ash vs. Evil Dead? No. So there's a scene from Ash vs. Evil Dead where they're like, they're trying to get information about um, like the Deadites and like the oncoming like attack, basically. And they're for, you know, they're forming a big circle and they have a brujo who's there like conducting the ceremony. And or I don't I don't know if he was there at the time. I can't remember. I It's been a while since I watched that, but that's not the point. They're. They're like trying to go through the Necronomicon. They're like, let's summon like a really weak demon, like one that we can bully and like, you know, mess around with. <laughs> They're like, uh, we found we found one. It says that he feeds on your worst nightmares, your fears and your eternal fear or, or something like that. And Bruce Campbell's like, 
Yeah, well, he can do that in his own time. Go ahead and summon him. <laughs> it's basically that. And <laughs> they take that level of just like, eh, what's the worst that could happen? And um, uh, so when they summon Adam and, and Barbara, they, well, they kind of like resurrect them almost. And, and then immediately kill them. Yeah, they start decaying. And once again, great makeup and mm. effects. Of like them just like turning into basically corpses, and because ortho they thought they just thought they were trying to find a way to summon them. He accidentally caused an exorcism, and it got alluded to earlier in the movie of like what happens to souls that get exorcised, and it's not good. And um, Lydia is desperate, and unfortunately, when you're desperate, you go to people you normally wouldn't turn to. She goes to Beetlejuice. <laughs> And he, they have a, they he doesn't have a even lie to her. That's the thing. He no. doesn't lie. <laughs> he's a great, somebody's a great villain. He's pure chaos, but he'll tell you exactly what he's going to do. <laughs> That's my favorite part is like this entire exchange between them. Cause she's like, you need to help them. And he's like, you're going to have to marry me. And she's like, he's like all these demands. And she like, basically was just like the equivalent of like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's like, whatever. And because apparently, I guess, because like, it says here on the wiki, uh, I guess somehow getting married will freely cause chaos in the mortal world. And I had a funny thought that I was like, is this the paranormal version of a green card? I think so. Because, but also, as we alluded to, you don't want Beetlejuice in the mortal world. He, That's yeah, he's terrifying. I wouldn't say he's evil incarnated. But like, he, he might be with no restraints, right? But he he's more like chaotic neutral. Like I think he's mostly just kind of an idiot. Like, <laughs> like he, he, yeah, he does whatever fancies him in the moment. He enjoys the chaos, but he's not like actively like I need to destroy everything. He's yeah, just like probably if it all burns, that's not my fault. Yeah, and uh, he probably could be convinced to do the right thing if you just told if he just like could convince him but um good luck with that though i of course that's the problem <laughs> but like she said like you're saying like she just like agrees and and then you get to see full-on beetlejuice because it hasn't like she says it once it say it twice like, one more time come on come on come on and then she says it, and he's like showtime and it's, it's just it. crazy yeah it's so good like just watching him just unrestrained, just messing with the deets. And he does actually, I mean, he keeps his word. He saves the uh, Maitlands. Uh, technically. And, um, and then immediately sends <laughs> one of them to the Dune planet. Yeah. He's like, all right, have fun with the worm. Because, <laughs> yep. oh, of course, he immediately summons the creepiest looking pastor I've ever seen. And, mm -hmm. uh, they start trying to get through like the wedding vows. Of course, he finally he can mimic voices because she because Lydia tries to protest against it, and he puts his hand over her mouth and perfectly speaks in her voice. And Ooh, that yeah, that that was a weird moment where I was like, that freaks me out more than a lot of other stuff I've seen in this movie. <laughs> and yeah, that's a fairly has, simple effect. Well, that because when you realize he has that ability, you're like, oh no. And um, 
I like for Ortho, all he did to freak him out was just change his clothes and he just took off. Yeah. <laughs> he was, because he was always more of a talker than he was a doer. Oh, absolutely. Uh, of course, and then like Adam and uh, Barbara, they're like trying to say Beetlejuice three times to send him back. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> I like with Barbara, like with Barbara, he like puts a zipper over her mouth. And he just bolts her mouth shut. <laughs> and, uh, in a and much darker like, movie, that would be horrifying. <laughs> of course. Whereas now it's funny. And he sends Adam into the little miniatures where he gets the car that Beetlejuice crashed earlier to, you know, try to get back into like distract him. And like the little gag, like he pulls out the finger that has a ring on it. Yeah. And he's like looking at a lady goes, Oh, she meant nothing to me. You're the one I promise. <laughs> 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 uh, it's the little details that make this movie what it is but I look because I mean we know that they're going to intervene there's like nine minutes of the movie left oh yeah yeah <laughs> there's this really isn't how not it much ends. else but I've got to say watching Gina Davis ride in yep, and devour Beetlejuice is probably a top ten Godlike moment <laughs> from any oh, Michael Keaton movie because <laughs> it's cathartic because this man has been yes hilarious but he's been annoying he's been slimy he's been pervy he's been all of these things yeah so to finally see him get his comeuppance you're just like good feels good get him out of here <laughs> finally <laughs> basically yeah it's it, it's funny because like you know, you're like, oh, God, I hate that I'm invested in what happens to him. Because, like, by all means, he should not be interesting, but he's hilarious. And if there's any one thing I've taken from writing, if they're not likable, you got to make him interesting. And usually that means make him funny. Yep. Because humor, yeah, can do a lot, can uh, cover a lot of uh, ill will. And... um Especially when done well. And uh, so it just, it's funny because like, it's, you just have like this moment of like, and I know it's like kind of a moment for everyone to just kind of like sink into the fact that, oh my gosh, we did it. Thank God. Mm-hmm. But the priest, the, the pastor just disappears like, all right, I'm going to head out. Yeah. And this is not my business anymore. <laughs> and, um, and of course, then it goes and Lydia's going, like going to school and you find out that uh, Adam and Barbara are, I think they're still ghosts, correct? Yes, there's still ghosts, but like everyone knows they're there now. So it's just sort of like a, hey, let's just hang out and vibe together. And like, yeah, we're so busy. Like, if you want to hang out with with our daughter, that's cool because we trust you and we know you're not completely. Yeah. So like, yeah. And they get to. ah, Sorry, they get to be they get to have like the kid they never had because it shows them being very like, you know. Very like. Uh, wholesome parents of like making sure she's studying well for classes. And I love that. Getting, yeah, like it's very wholesome, especially with we needed that after Beetlejuice. But um, and uh, it shows even her parents are like better people. They're mm-hmm. not quite so like self-absorbed. Everybody actually, had a character arc. Yeah, and even the mom is now self-aware, which is like wow, miracles can happen. And uh. It just ends on a funny note where like she's just they have her start levitating and she's dancing to music and 
I'll let y'all watch the scene with the football players. So they'll like, that's why, why that's one of the funniest interactions in the whole movie. Um, because <laughs> it's just so it's it's gold. You also and, um, can't ignore the song, Caleb. I I know. Shake, 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 Sinora. Think about it, right? Work, um, work, work, Sinora. Work your body, right? I probably messed that up. I'm sorry, but I love that no, song. It, oh, it's a, whoever was choosing the music, King. Good job, good job. And um, that's King. it. Shows and it's just, it, it, it shows Beetlejuice in the like I said the Afterworld DMV as we were alluding to earlier. And one, he tries to hit on the legs of a woman who got cut in half, and the other half slaps him. He's like. I don't know what her problem is. Down bad. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's when you learn. That's when you find out he's learned nothing. And, uh, he tries to like switch his numbers in line. Like I said, because like his number's like 8 billion mm-hmm. and they're on number three. So he tries to cut in line and gets his head shrunk for his troubles. I love that. But the funniest part about like and this was alluded to too cuz we saw like the the poacher or uh, like like the safari poacher like holding his tiny little shrunken head and I was like I wonder how that oh, yeah. happened. We don't know, you know, that they they imply that it's like, well, gee, anything could have happened. And then when the mm-hmm. the witch doctor at the end is just like, "Oh, really? You're going to try and steal my ticket?" and he just shrunk his head. Oh yeah, that was <laughs> The best part, so though, fantastic, especially just the per. Yes, go ahead. The best part about the whole thing, like after his head shrinks, and he's like, "Wow, wow!" Is like eventually he's like, eh, "This could be a good look up for. This could be a good look for me." Yep, he learns nothing ever. <laughs> I love it. I, I his toxic positivity would be more endearing if he wasn't a literal criminal. <laughs> yeah, like a murder like like you said he's not evil incarnate but he's he's, he's just a terrible yeah he's not far like if he had a purpose then he probably would be yeah and i just i don't know i i love that ending to it because it it felt like it all came full circle and the pacing of it was good the story of it was good it was different than i expected because i thought it was going to be such a huge focus on Beetlejuice and then when they used him I wouldn't say sparingly but strategically it worked so well and the effects were great the acting was great as we can say Michael Keaton we love you uh, everything about this like especially with Tim like Tim Burton's directing he's a natural and yeah. I, I'm very pleased with it and the score by Danny Elfman like you'd mentioned earlier and a lot of the performances are great what a great movie to watch like it's such like a it's a movie that you don't have to watch at halloween i mean they did release this they released this i think on march 30th oh yeah that works it obviously did well enough so (laughs) yeah i mean look it's it's like how uh it's a wonderful life is a christmas movie but it came out in april right dude that movie's (laughs) so good i know no it is but like but it came out in april but now it's a christmas movie so like yeah it happens die hard <laughs> yeah we've been down that road <laughs> yes, yes, we, we will have. not repeat ourselves <laughs> i yeah no i was so pleased with this i'm really glad that i finally watched it it's a ton of fun and yeah if you haven't watched it go 
if you have, you probably share a pretty similar love as we do. Mm -hmm. It's such like a great blend of so many things. Like it's not two eighties where you're like, Oh my gosh, I can feel my hair. Like all of a sudden (laughs) lifting up from the hairspray. I'm like, Oh no, I feel the metal. Like, I mean, I feel the metal all the time, but not quite like that. It's not, hair metal. <laughs> not like a hair metal, even though I do love hair metal. I'm going to stop. <laughs> I just I love that it's very much like it doesn't try to be too quirky. It's not trying to be like, oh, my gosh, look at how unique and different I am. It just completely accepts its weirdness and then runs with it. And I, I think the team behind it was perfect for it. It really turned out well. And if you guys can watch this movie, it was on Peacock. It was on HBO Max. It's been bouncing around so much. I don't know why. I'm pretty sure it's owned. Yeah, it's a Warner Brothers movie. So oh, it made no sense to me. I just, I, I don't understand how these things work. But also, like, I'm not actively involved in the business. So I'm probably the wrong person. Well, not in that aspect. I'm not actively involved in the behind the scenes rights holding part of the business <laughs> i think that's a fair thing to say so it's hard to really know but i was like warner brothers movie hbo max i don't it's know not. why it's not on there i i really don't but again they they do loan movies out sometimes like there's a lot of like disney technically like disney owned movies on hbo max as well too and some stuff yeah. on like peacock that happens but my point being if you can find this movie on the plethora of streaming services that we have available to us, which there are many. You can't say, well, I don't, I don't know if there are any. Oh, there's like 30 plus now. <laughs> it's, <laughs> there's a lot. Whether or not you want to pay for them is one thing. But if you can find this movie, you can rent it. If you can buy it, if you can watch it, you'll enjoy yourself. And it, it's a ton of fun. It's a great way, especially for your younger kids, if they're interested in horror, you should probably start them with this. Uh, honestly yeah. don't start him with evil dead too i'm begging you. <laughs> i'm begging you not to start him with that or yeah well halloween's like i would say halloween's a good second step but don't throw him into the fire like that. no 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 because <laughs> like because like as crazy as beetlejuice is it's not very gory like it has a lot of visuals like that makes it very clear how various people mm-hmm. died but like it doesn't show them dying so yeah, like you don't have to worry about anything of uh, coming about be d- because of that. So yeah, no, yeah. it's 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 good balance. It's I would say a slight step above Nightmare Before Christmas, where like you actually get a little bit more of the horror elements, which is hilarious because it's literally like Halloween Town. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> but know, right. It, it's a similar kind of like you can enjoy these things and see certain like instances and tropes of like horror films but without like the actual aspect of like literally being horrified i think that's a great thing to do for a child instead of just ruining (laughs) their emotional well-being with something like halloween or the descent or (laughs) something really gnarly like that this is is one of those because like sometimes i mean especially because there are people that are like well they want to enjoy Halloween, the mm. holiday, or they want to enjoy like horror esque movies, but they don't want to watch the like heavier stuff. Mm-hmm. This is a great one that you'd be like, "Hey, let's watch this," because the elements are there, but it's very much a comedy first, right? 
watch this and then in a couple years we'll start showing you stuff like Halloween and maybe later on I'll show you other hardcore movies that maybe you should probably be an adult to watch but that's just the horror genre in general but it's nice to have like stuff like this that you can ease your way into it without being too overwhelmed and I'm going to sound like a broken record if I talk about it anymore but right Caleb, is there anything else that you would like to add to this movie besides the fact that it's awesome and you should watch it? Well, I just love the fact that like what they pulled off with this of like, I just, it still to me looks really good for what it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think sometimes we, maybe we get overly spoiled because you have the movies now that get made for $200 million. That's that's a lot of money, dude. I know, like, this movie was made for 15, and you might be like, well, it's in 88. I guarantee if you adjust, if you put in inflation, it doesn't get to 200. So it doesn't even get close. It's a lot of money, but what it earned is significantly, like, you can tell this movie made a profit. (laughs) Oh, no, no, absolutely. What I'm saying is that, like, they, when you see these bigger movies, like, and they are very polished, even the ones that end up not being well-received or honestly being maybe not very good. They at least look good and they're polished. And so like, I think sometimes we get spoiled with that. So sometimes for some people, they'll see a movie like this mm-hmm. or like, that's almost like a, it's like a turnoff for them or like a deal breaker. And I'm just like, work through that and just understand it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Kind of like watching the Muppets, you know, they're puppets. Like, so like just enjoy what you're seeing. They're not and, puppets. Um, they're Muppets, Caleb. I, I know, but so in other words, like, <laughs> saying, like they're not real. There's someone like you, like obviously, like making them talk and do stuff. But you ignore that and just enjoy the fun that you're watching. And I think that's fair. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's how you would you would do it for Beetlejuice. And also, just the fact it always blows my mind. They had a really successful TV show that was animated, mm-hmm. where somehow Lydia and Beetlejuice work together. As little sense as that makes, based on the movie, and it cracks me up. It's I hope that it's available on something at some point because I kind of want to watch that now just out of curiosity. But in conclusion, it's so interesting going back and watching this and seeing it in like the plethora of other films that were released at the time, like especially in a similar genre that were like, you know, considerably different. <laughs> I'll, I'll name a few. Evil Dead 2. Yeah. Fright Night, the original mm-hmm. one. Predator. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The manliest handshake of all time. What's wrong, Dylan? You pushing too many pencils? (laughs) I misquoted that, but I don't care. (laughs) And then you got movies like Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which I love. Don't get me wrong. But it's just around the same time as Mars Attacks. Uh, No, Mars Attacks was in the 90s because that was Uh, uh, one of Jack Black's first movies. That's right. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, you don't have to apologize. But <laughs> if you look at just like, and then all the Friday the 13th movies, you had Halloween 4 coming out the same year. It's just so interesting to see this one. Like, it stands out at such a unique level. And it's just so cool to like see something like this that captivates your interest 30 plus years later. I love it for that. I love the team behind it. And I could talk probably talk about it even more all night but what else is there to say you know and with that in mind guys we are on spotify we're on apple Podcasts. we're on overcast we're on your web browser we're everywhere 
you cannot hide from us. And thank you for enjoying and listening to this year's Halloween month special. We didn't have a Halloween special this year because we just didn't. And <laughs> we chose to cover a couple different selections and really happy that we did. It, it was a great choice. Caleb, you had some great recommendations too. I love that. Like we both were just like Beetlejuice. That's the one. Yeah. And <laughs> you brought up uh Batman Arkham Asylum and that one was wow. Yeah. yeah. Still forgiving you for that one. <laughs> no, I, I loved it. But <laughs> we, we had a really strong month this year and I'm super pleased about it. And if you guys hopefully you have a safe Halloween. If you listen to this after the fact, like I hope you had a safe Halloween. I hope you continue to have safe holidays. I hope everything's going well for you. Please continue to reach out to us and listen and, you know, give us your feedback and just be nerdy with us. It's the best. This it's why we're here. It's why we love to do the things we do. So guys, I'm Austin Cook. I am Caleb McLemore. We are the internet world order. We will see you guys soon. See you guys.